Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. At the halfway point, are the Colorado Rockies who we thought they'd be? Certainly, injuries have been a factor but the organization's shortcomings, especially on the pitcher's mound, have been on display. As the All-Star break approaches, we're joined by Thomas Harding of MLB.com and Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post to discuss what's happened in the first half and what lies ahead. That's next. Stay with us. This is the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We're back after this. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there. Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them. And with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the Fenways and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. you got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place, the National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. Many a... Uh... And the former NFL football coach Dennis Green had the famous quote years ago where he said, they are who we thought they were. You had a chance to talk with Bud Black. Why don't you introduce that? Yeah, spoke with Buddy uh, yesterday, just kind of getting his uh, view of things here at the halfway mark of the uh, 2023 season. Obviously, lots changed. A lot of guys are on the injured list, uh, kind of necessitating the acceleration of the uh, youth movement in Colorado, um, for better or worse. And so we talked for uh, about 10 minutes about that, and he had some interesting things to say. All right, let's hear from Buddy, and then we'll come back and talk to Thomas and Patrick. The Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, we're delighted to have Rockies manager Bud Black with us today. And, Buddy, uh, I just want to start right off the bat with, given all the the injuries and circumstances and how they've changed from the beginning of the season to now, um, and for a team that's relatively young and you knew was going to be relatively young going forward and looking to the future, has your view of the immediate uh, future change regarding 2024 20, and 25 and 26 in terms of development going forward well uh, that's a uh, you know i think it's it's 
I think your uh, your vision uh, there's a couple there's a couple visions right I think there's a long ranging you know three four year vision and also there's a immediate vision right uh, what's what's right ahead of you uh, you know within months per se so uh, my long term vision hasn't changed as far as you know what this team might look like in 25 26 uh, my short-term vision uh, has changed uh, you know for a couple of different reasons right the you know the the injuries that we've suffered has necessitated a little bit of uh, uh, a speed up of of a couple players which I, I think is fine as long as they're able to handle it but uh, you know our you know, our team is not the team that we envisioned uh, when we left Arizona. You always hope that uh, the injuries are minimal, uh, that you keep your best 26 players for the most part active and, and playing, and, and that hasn't happened to us. And I think we're one of the teams that, uh, you know, we, you know we, we didn't have a lot of depth, and that's come back to haunt us a little bit. So. Uh, our, our team now is, is, is different than we projected, uh, both on the mound and in, and in the field. But uh, again, there's no, uh, you know, there's, there's no uh, crying in your milk. You, you, you meet it head on with the, with the players that you have in your system and the players that you go out and try to acquire. So, uh, and, and, you, and you are always, you know, looking to improve you know, not only uh, tonight's game, but also, you know, in the future as well. So, uh, you know, some of the things that we've done, uh, we do have the eye on the future, but you always want to win a major league game tonight or tomorrow. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's sort of how I'm viewing this. Um, <clears throat> how do you um, balance under normal circumstances? Let's say you've got your A team out there, you're healthy. How do you balance we want to make sure we don't, you know, allow things to speed up too much for the young guys. We don't want to uh, stunt their development by bringing them up too fast when they're not ready. Right. Versus, um, you know, kind of letting them let the kids play, as they say. Yeah. Um, now it's by necessity. But what's the balance when you under normal circumstances? Well, uh, under normal circumstances, you would like to think that you have a, you know, a balanced team that can. Uh, that if things go your way, you can you can compete. You can complete uh, compete for a, a division title. You compete for a playoff spot. Uh, you know if if guys have the years that they're capable of having. If you have your complete roster, and then with that, you're you're always potentially you know working in a young guy or two. Uh, we knew going into this season that we were going to play Tovar at shortstop. I mean most teams will try to break in a one or two players uh, during the course of a year. Uh, you know, I mean, presently we're trying to, you know, give a number of at-bats to a, a, few, a number of players. Tovar, like I said, we, we're pretty confident that, you know, he was going to, you know, be a mainstay of a young player. Uh, but right now, Nolan Jones, Brenton Doyle, uh, Montero, uh, you know, are, are guys that, you know, potentially are are everyday players who are getting you know their you know their time, but 
but you also got to be respectful of uh, you know the Bryants, the Crones, the Bards, the Freelands, the, the Marquez about you know fielding a team to to win. So uh, you know there's a balance there of of you know what you're trying to do organizationally. Um, you've talked about how you relished coaching and that whole process yeah. of teaching. Um, you're getting probably more of a chance to do that than you originally thought heading into the season. Yeah. Um, has your view of what you're doing and your um, kind of uh, guidance of this club in the last few years, obviously you've played different roles in terms of having veterans and maybe teaching more. Now you're fully on, almost fully on that side of teaching. Do you think that or view your role to be a little bit different now than it was a year ago at this time? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, just based on the, on the, on the you know, especially on the pitching side, uh, with Seabold, uh, Noah Davis. Uh, you know, I still consider Feltner, a, you know, a young pitcher, even though now he's, you know, he's been knocked out of action. Uh, Bird, Lawrence, Hollowell, uh, Mears. Uh, you know, a number of young guys who are, you know, cutting their teeth as major league pitchers. So there's been a you know, a lot of teaching going on there between, you know, Daryl Scott, Reed Cornelius, and I and our and our analytic staff who's, you know, with us daily uh, about, you know, trying to get these guys acclimated and up to speed as quick as possible to, to have them get results. Uh, you know, on the position player side, you know, I rely heavily on, uh, you know, our coaching staff, uh, Mike Redman, uh, Hensley Mullins, P.J. Pilateri, Andy Gonzalez, Warren Schaefer, Ron Gideon to, you know, to really dive into, you know, their areas of expertise for, you know, for Tovar, for Doyle, uh, for Batolia, for Montero, uh, for Nolan Jones, for Servin, you know, for, for these guys who are lesser service time players who are going to be part of our future. So, uh, and that's, and that's good stuff because you like to see the, you know, you love to see the development and you love to see the the adjustments that are made in the big leagues when they're when they're when they're fighting through this and and facing this talent that's coming against them, uh, you know that's rewarding. I think any you know any coach will tell you the most rewarding thing, the intrinsic value you get is from from teaching and then seeing uh, your interactions with with players with students, uh, you know, show up you know in 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 the field or. You know, in the in the classroom or you know out in the field of uh, you know whatever expertise they're in. You seem particularly well suited for that kind of a role because of your background and what you've done, kind of your personality. Um, but every teacher has to have patience, right? And there are the twenty, there are the not not often, but there are the twenty-five to one games. There are the right. games in which you you wore a T-shirt yesterday that has kind of gone viral a little right. bit with the walks will haunt thing. Um, th that that. You know, obviously says that you know you understand that this is a process. Yeah. Um, how hard does it be to be patient? Sometimes? Yeah, I mean, by nature, uh, you know, I'm patient. I am measured. Uh, you know, by nature, uh, doesn't that doesn't mean that I don't want it to happen quickly? Because I do. Because there, I mean, there are some success stories that happen like that, and uh, you know, guys find it and they they never skip a beat, and they they have long careers, and they. You know they find their path early, but in most cases that's not the case. So there has to be a uh, there has to be a, a patience in there. But uh, within that patience, you have to see 
you know the incremental improvement right there's going to be there's going to be a, a learning curve of things going right then there might be a little dip and then you, you got it but you want to see that you want to see that graph at that angle of uh, of improvement and that's what you want uh, and you want it you want it steady granted you want that you want that angle a little higher and not a little lower where it takes a little bit longer but that's you know uh, you know every player's different in how they and how they learn and and how they you know put their teachings to work but you know i think you find that most good coaches most good teachers are patient are, are patient people buddy black thank you so much for joining us appreciate it all right, guys, that was some interesting stuff from Bud Black. Obviously, uh, his perspective is a little different than, than ours, but nonetheless, um, I'll go back to my original question. Are the Rockies who we thought they were? And Thomas, we'll give you. We'll start with you. Um, better, worse, the same? Is this what you expected at the halfway point? I'll tell you, when you looked at that team and they were talking about all the things that had to be perfect, you had to expect this because they didn't have much depth. And also, when you look at where they are on the uh, – scale of readiness to compete or whatever there was the the young depth and the young stars were not there so what happened here how it all fell apart i would I, you would have had to have expected it because how many teams go through a season completely under yeah, um, yeah. uninjured and everybody playing to their exact potential and i think they knew that coming in i mean when you look at the guys that they in, ended up introducing to the team the young guys they had this plan all along they just didn't talk about it Patrick, is are these guys who you thought they were going to be halfway through? Yeah, although actually the, the record is worse than I anticipate. I, I really think, uh, not that it really matters, I guess it's a symbolic thing. I really think this is the chance for the first chance, isn't probably the right word, but the possibility for the first 100-loss season in franchise history. Mm-hmm. A lot of it because of the injuries. Uh, I thought the team was going to be better than this, but I agree with Thomas. I think anybody who was paying attention to this team knew – that the lack of starting pitching depth was going to be an issue. Now we didn't anticipate Armand Marquez going, you know, Tommy John and Feldner getting, you know, hitting the head with the line drive and, and, you know, and Sensatella coming back and yet then spraining the elbow. But that's really not an excuse because a lot of teams have a lot of injuries mm-hmm. uh, and a lot the of Dodgers. teams have. a Yeah, exactly. The Dodgers rotation has been decimated. So it's really not an excuse. And I think if, and I think Bill Schmidt behind the scenes would be honest about this and say, we came into the season. We simply didn't have enough pitching depth. I mean, he he even said we need pitching and more pitching. Well, right now, my question is, where's that pitching going to come from? That's, that's that's the problem. Because you're seeing, you're seeing some real nice bright spots from some of the young position players. Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly Tovar has been phenomenal. And Nolan Jones and Brent Doyle have had their ups and downs, but they flashed some excitement, some potential, mm-hmm. some growing pains. Yep. Man, you look down to the minors and everything else, I just don't see where the help's coming from. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it's interesting because what we're seeing is the, uh, you know, the result, like, like you guys both said, this was something you could see coming all it takes is a couple of injuries and things kind of start falling like dominoes and they've had a, a massive slew of injuries. So they, I mean um, it's kind of crazy how many injuries they've had, but at the same time, it's like, 
given their lack of death, you could see this coming. The problem with the Rockies, and we talked about all all of us here on this program have talked about this before. Um, they backed themselves into this corner. Um, they, they they created a situation with um, poor free agent signings slash um, uh, inability to develop that kind of uh, the players between here and and uh, the, the the high A level, for example. There's just this dearth. There's nothing there with regard to pitching in particular, and that vacuum kind of got created there as well. So that's where now that is what is being kind of revealed here, which is Patrick nailed it. There's no pitching in particular from here all the way down to high a and the the idea of uh you know bill schmidt maybe saying well we didn't have the pitching depth um that's true and you know what it's it's not on him i mean he's he's coming in trying to i've said this before he's coming in trying to turn around the titanic uh here and it's not going to be overnight and you're just hoping it doesn't sink to the bottom of the atlantic and right now that's kind of the direction it's headed in. before we get into uh because we all want to fix things. All of us have ideas on how to fix this. But before we get into that, Thomas, let's get a little specific with some of the things that have gone maybe worse than expected. We'll start with the negative. Um, were there, and you guys mentioned that everything had to go perfect and all that. And nobody, you don't expect that. But have there been any anything in particular, any area or any positions or any players that have underperformed even what you expected going into the season, Thomas? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would have to say that. Obviously, the pitching situation. Well, let's take is, let's take the injuries out of it. Let's just talk about the guys who are healthy. Okay, uh, and but actually, some of the guys who aren't healthy also are part of the are, are part of the guys that sure. did not perform as expected. Randall Grichik was um, was injured to start the year. I'm just kind of going in order. Randall Grichik injured, injured to start the year. He came back. Uh, the power that they've been looking from from him, he still hasn't produced it. C.J. Crone, yes, he was injured, but before that, he had gone. Uh, like 43 at bats, well, 40 at bats without a home run. That that was what you expected. Chris Bryant, you expected um, a, a star player from him. He did not produce uh, power wise. His average was dropping at the time that he was hurt. So it's a mix of that with those guys. Um, and and I thought that uh, some of the slow starts, like the one by Ryan McMahon, had hurt them. Now McMahon has really turned it around and has turned out to be, uh, you know, a pretty darn good player. But you look at those guys that were supposed to provide some production, supposed to provide some home runs, and it didn't happen. So beyond the pitching injuries, and yes, a couple of those guys did get hurt, and that made it worse, but they also didn't come around in, in, in as far as production is concerned. Um, you look at Daniel Bard. He signed a new contract and got off to a horrible start uh, as far as spring training and going on the injured list. Now, he's actually pitched reasonably well since he's gotten here, I mean, and, and there still seems to be a place to go with him. But the, the way it all started, uh, that, that helped put them behind the eight ball a little bit. Yeah, Thomas touched on most of it. Uh, I think you'd have to add – uh, the healthy starters, and certainly Austin Gomber has been a disappointment. I mean, yeah, he got off to a terrible start, which has, you know, been reflected in his plus seven ERA. Uh, he got a little better, but he's still shaky. And Kyle Freeland's starting to wobble a little bit, too. Um, Thomas and I were talking about this the other day. His velocity, and he's never been a power pitcher, his velocity's a, a few ticks down. Um and if Kyle isn't right there with his stuff, he gets hit. And he's been yeah. getting beat up a little bit lately. And that's 
it's not a good sign considering the contract they signed him to to be their long term. I wouldn't say ace, but certainly the the anchor. anchor. Yeah. yeah, the anchor to this rotation. That's a little concerning to me. Um, the one guy we haven't mentioned. Now I'm going off script here. This is positive. Diaz behind the plate yeah. has been terrific. Um, he's been worth every single penny yep. of that contract. Uh, you know, and, and Bill Schmidt was pretty proactive signing some veteran guys, long-term deals to keep them here. Um, and for a while there, it looked like the Ryan McMahon deal was like, ooh, I don't know. But Ryan seemed to have figured it out. And Diaz is looking like it was a bargain contract for this team. So, so Bill Schmidt was very proactive and very pro-Rockies, if you will. Some of them panned out, some of them haven't. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 those two starters, Gomber and uh, and Freeland, you, know, you can't say they aren't part of the problem because they are right now. Hey, hey Manny, um, how would you grade the Moustakas situation? The signing in spring training had the great spring, looked good and all that, and now they've traded him. Did, is that a plus? Because they actually up getting a, a minor league yeah, pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. Not just a minor league pitcher. But... I think you got to look at it as, you know, you're halfway you know through spring training or whatever it was, and um, you, there's certainly no – when you sign Mike Moustakis, you have no expectation necessarily that he's going to be really good. Right. He turned out to be good enough to, to to get a prospect out of it, right? So I think that's a net positive. So there's no there's no reason to that you could look at it and say, well, you know, that's a bummer. You know, we lost uh, the Rockies. You know, if you're a Rockies fan, you say we lost Moustakis and all this. No, I mean, yeah. Moustakis was never a long-term piece here. And you got something back for him, and and good for him. He traded up. You know, he gets to go play yeah. with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout now. So that's that's great for him too. So I think that's a win-win situation. I, I I'm wondering, guys, what you think about the vibe of this team at this time? Um, you know, midway through the season, approaching the All Star break, it just seems like there's this kind of there, there are conflicting feelings. I feel like with this team, uh, and I wonder about if in the clubhouse this is the case because you've got this young and exciting. Uh, potential this young and exciting potential tovar leading the way uh, and tovar has been really good since may um after that slow start and you have like patrick said you've seen flashes of enormous power from uh uh you know uh nolan jones, nolan yeah. jones and, and and even even you know doyle has 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 been really good in center field in particular on defense so you see these flashes but then on the other side you see you're 20 games under 500 all these injuries you're in a transition period where you're moving to this youth movement. It just seems like there's this muddle here. So I'm curious, Thomas and Patrick, what you guys think of the overall vibe of this team at this time. Well, let, let know, me start. You, let me yeah. start with that just because it's off the top of my head. I wrote about this recently in, in uh, Brian McMahon, um, who's who's pretty good uh, both off the record and on the record about telling you the vibe of his team. And he wasn't being negative, but he was saying the danger is that a losing culture, the danger is that a losing culture could become ingrained in this team. I'm paraphrasing. Great point. And, you know, baseball's such a long season. And, you know, next spring, I'm sure there'll be, you know, optimism blooming and all of that stuff. Uh, But I think he has a good point. You don't want to get to the point where losing becomes the expectation. And I think that's where Bud Black right now uh, is going to have to do some of his best work. And as you guys probably are aware, I'm a Bud Black fan. I mean, he's not perfect, uh, but he's been given a given a very difficult task. Right now, Bud Black's 
one of his primary jobs is to be a teacher and an encourager, yet try to get these guys to not fall into that trap of expecting to lose and try to juggle learning experience with still trying to win ball games. And that means juggling the lineup, getting the veterans in, especially as the guys come back, Chris Bryant, uh, Crone, Charlie Blackman, you know, how do you respect those veterans and mix and match with the young guys? I don't anti Buddy Black. This is not an easy task he's trying to deal with right now because he has a lot of pride. He, we, we know what he's like after they come off getting beat up. He's pissed off, and I don't blame him. But at the same time, he's trying to, to build something. So the team right now, it's I, I hope they don't fall into what Ryan McMahon feared, that, that it's going to be coming a completely ingrained losing culture that bleeds into the young guys. Thomas, you, you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. I'll um, paraphrase a song. You see it all all around you, a good season gone bad. You know, like good loving <laughs> gone bad, I guess. So, I, and I've watched a lot of teams like this. And what happens is you have some young guys with some older guys, and there's a mix there. And then you get to a certain point in the season, you wonder if the older guys are playing to be traded. The young guys, they don't know any better. They're just out there doing the best they can. And you have got to meld this together. The problem is when you, when you look at the Rockies and you look at them even from the very beginning, they're playing for another season. They're not playing for this season, right. yet they have to play this season. So that that that's where that's where you run into some issues here. Um, I think that the young guys, yeah, there's a lot of enthusiasm. They're they're out there. I mean, you see sometimes you see Nolan Jones after the game, and it, and it almost reminds you of um, you know even high school where the guy is really disappointed, almost angry when he loses. And that's the type of thing you have to keep. Now, it is very hard to do in these situations. I look around baseball, even a couple of teams that are going well, it seems like a lot of teams are in the same boat here. Like, for example, Cincinnati mm -hmm. played well for a bit. Pittsburgh played well for a bit. Um, Baltimore has really played well. But you look at the records of those teams, and they fall into the same category as Colorado. They do these youth movements, and maybe they have a veteran around. But instead of two or three years, it takes – like if Baltimore makes the playoffs, it'll be the first time since 2014. I'm watching a replay of the Colorado Rockies. Are they going to be able to sustain it? Probably not, you know, you, even with all their young guys, because you saw what happened to Pittsburgh. You saw what happened <laughs> at times to Cincinnati. You saw what happened to Colorado, that holding a roster like that together, once they get there, you have a very small window. So the Rockies look like just one of those teams building for that window. And usually that window lengthens if they accept losing or if they turn it over too quickly to young guys and those guys aren't ready and then they fail. Well, you know, yep. Thomas, when things fall apart, you know, it's all falling apart. You know, these types of things can really, you can mess with the young guys. Right. I mean, because when they, I mean, there's, there's a certain expectation, you know, consciously they understand that there's going to be some losing involved. Um, but when you get beat 25 to one, you get beat 14 to three last night. The walks continue to haunt. Um, you know, I, it's just you know the, the walks. The walks have been a thing. I talked to Buddy. Yeah, I talked to Buddy last night you know, or yesterday before the game, and I, I mentioned the shirt that he wore, and uh, and how that was a that was a statement. You know, I mean, he's 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 saying uh, I don't like walks, and and you know, as a former pitcher, a major league pitcher, uh, that's obvious. And and that the Rockies have these these growing pains. I guess is what I'm saying. So when you have the growing pains. How do you find? How do you how do you deal with that? 
um, regard, you know, in general, but how, how do you see the guys right now dealing with that? Uh, when, um, you know, you just, you just don't want to get into a situation where they get discouraged. Well, there, there well, growing pains, things- growing pains are, are relative because you have to, as an individual, there's a little bit of individual accountability here. You can't, yeah. one pitcher can't get caught up with the other pitchers are doing good, good or bad. You have to do your job and you have to accept, you have to make steps going forward. I deal with this at the high school level. I get young guys who are struggling, don't know out what they're doing. I say, just be patient, work the process, get better, let the results will take care of themselves. You can only have control what you can control. So I understand the losing culture thing, but I think young guys are a little bit more adept at bal- of, of brushing that off because their future. Well, I think it depends on the person, right? I think Tovar is a great example. Tovar is a great example of a guy right. who's got his head, you know, in the right place in terms of, uh, you know, what he's thinking about all the time. Right. And he's just so even keel. And even when he makes mistakes, you know, critical mistakes, even that cost him the game. I remember the time he didn't tag up and he started, you know, people were wondering, could he tag up on that crazy Machado play? But he just handles it with a plum, you know. He just he takes care of it. It's not a problem. I'll come back tomorrow. You just wonder how the other guys are doing with all that, and I wonder how you guys see that with the other guys. I'll jump in on this. Um, for they they went through a horrible road trip. I mean, there there was nothing good about it. And really, if you if you look at it, that whole stretch, you could put that on starting pitching because mm-hmm. you need to pitch well on the road. So they come back here, and I, I, I I'm finding an interesting little dichotomy here is that when you're watching this team they lose 25 to 1 which is a record setting they lose 14 by the way i just found out today through via jason stark that's the first time in major league history a game any game ended with the final score of 25 to 1 wow please continue and and then so and and then 14 to 3 last night but the i'm going to come but they won but they won the angel series they lost 25 to 1 won the series exactly that's what i'm about to say that they won that series. They're three and three in this homestand. The scores are lopsided. And something that I saw last night that I noted, um, they're down 12 to three in the sixth inning. There is no possible way they win that game. But he goes out there, draws the infield in with one out. Tovar makes a play. Um, um, McMahon makes a play. And at the end of the game, I mean, it's the wasn't it the ninth inning when Profar was doubled off and and Buddy held up his hand as if he was going to go to instant replay on that. Those are the things you do to make sure that a team doesn't sink into the losing culture yep. that Ryan McMahon was talking about. I mean, um, you know, and and as the young guys, they sometimes when they struggle, they take it pretty hard, but they can't let that uh, devolve into something worse. They've got right. to understand that they're playing on a team where Buddy Black, Bill Schmidt, they're trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. <laughs> and that takes a bit, but you can't get discouraged in the process. You can't let a losing culture seek in. And I think those are the things you get beat 25 to three, you come back and you win four to three. Um, you get shut out by Kershaw to the point to where, I think one of the Dodger broadcasters said this team looks disinterested. I actually thought too that some of the younger guys were they looked at Clayton Kershaw's name on his back more than anything else, and and their at bat showed it. Then they come back the next day and they win a, a nine to eight crazy game where they don't pitch very well. Those are the things that if you are trying to build a winning culture, you look at these guys. Okay. After they lose 25 to one, do they come back and sulk or do they come back and play after they lose five to nothing um, and and nobody has a good night? Then your young guys, Nolan Jones with the throw, um, uh, Tovar with the hit, they, they pick you up. 
that's not going to do a lot for the final record for this season. But if you're trying to build something, that's how you build it. That's okay, that, this is something I sh we shouldn't let the moment pass. I think without kind of acknowledging what a great point that was, because yep. Black is doing things that are are kind of imperceptible to a lot of people, and and we you know Thomas picked up on these things yesterday because Thomas is amazing at picking these things up, and he saw that hey you know. You know, Teaching up moments. in the press box, they're probably complaining that Buddy is trying to, you know, is trying hold, you know, putting his hand up. Like, let's think about maybe challenging this. It's a nine-run or eleven-run game, but he's doing that not for the sake, not for just for just to do it. He's doing it for the players to keep them engaged, to keep them in the game. He's he's bringing the infield in to to make sure that we're we're playing the game the right way. We're practicing what we're going to be doing in the future when it really counts when we're down one. And so I yep. think that's a really good point uh, about what Buddy's doing. That's perfect segue, Patrick, into into maybe looking at some of the other signs of positivity. Um, again, the record is what it is. They are what they are. They're meeting expectations. As you said, they could lose 100 games. But what are some of the positives, some of the signs of hope that you've seen? Well, I guess uh, that's a good question. You may have stopped me there. Not, um, many, of them, not many of them, I know. Well, <laughs> I, I was going to say this, but I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. I guess my question would be, I still don't know what the game plan of this franchise is. Right? Well, that's yeah. Yep. Okay, that's another topic. I I don't I don't know who I don't know if they know who they want to be. Maybe they do, but I just don't see it. But some of the positives. Well, you already talked. You know, I get. And I'm sure you guys get this feedback too. I get so many people uh, calling for Bud Black's head, and I'm talking yeah. about fans who email me here, and for some they want some kind of football mentality coach in there somebody's going to they're, they're missing and, the point right they're missing yeah, the i know point. scream absolutely. and, and yep. you know beat up water coolers and yep. that's going to do absolutely nothing for this team <laughs> my fear is that bud black is going to weather this storm and maybe keep it from this franchise from like you know becoming just you know unsalvageable for a while he's going to get keep them close to a point where maybe they can turn things around and she can still be around to to reap the benefits. Yeah. I don't know. Great point. Uh, that that's that is a concern of mine because his contract goes through next season. But in terms of the positives, we already mentioned the young guys. We mentioned uh, Diaz. Thomas mentioned that the team continues to play hard. And sometimes when Buddy comes back at the end of the night and he talks about, well, you know, we rallied in the eighth, and that shows the fight in this team. I kind of want to gag a little bit because I'm I get so tired of covering losing teams but it's a good point the team is not quit right and the other positives uh this bullpen for the most part has been yep. really really good yep. i mean yeah there's been glitches but there's glitches in every bullpen on every team and given the amount of work they've had to deal right. with brent Suter before he he had to go on the il i thought he was terrific you know hand's been pretty good uh Pierce Johnson's been a little bit up and down. Uh, Justin Lawrence has been a nice find. Yep. And when he's on, he is really, mm -hmm. really good. And Jake Bird, I mean, he's been a warrior. Uh, you can't and blame you, this on the bullpen. You can't. And you made it's a good been point. pretty salty, other, other than the guys, the long relievers, who right. were, were essentially kind of failed starters who were thrown into the mix to, to eat innings. They're, the they're thrown the out to the piranhas. The they're thrown out to the piranhas, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Those long but the guys who have like been there Lambert. when the games are tight, for the most part, uh, I think they've been pretty darn good. I think don't they underestimate. Take some don't underestimate how important the starting pitching is for a good bullpen. So, if the starting pitching is doing their job, that makes the bullpen's job that much easier. Yeah. And without with a poor starting pitching performance, 
it's almost Herculean what this bullpen's done on the plus side, as Bud would say. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now and, the question, now the question, of course, is who do they trade out of that bullpen? Yeah, we haven't yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. We're about to get to that. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. So let's get to that, right? I mean, uh, yeah, deadline approaching July first tomorrow, as we record this, and and I think that um, you know Mustakis was the first guy to go, but. And I think people probably looked at the return as underwhelming, maybe. But what were you going to get for Mike exactly, Stockis? Yes. I mean, at the at his age and, and everything else, if you get anything from him, it's really a plus. And then the Rockies got a little bit something from right. him. Um, but now, now you look at it, and you've got Crone, who is not looking like an attractive piece at all. Um, you know, Profar has been pretty good, although the numbers overall somehow or another he's still hitting like two forty something or two fifty something, even though it seems like he's picking up a hit every day. Um, and so it just seems like the between the injuries and everything else that's happened and the trends, this team might end up not really getting much for what we thought early, maybe two months ago would have been a potential for a decent return in prospects. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on this one. Um, when you, when I look at the overall plan for this franchise in a, in a lot of ways, there was a subtle change last year at the draft, where um, after, I think, Gabriel Hughes, the first pick, then uh, Jackson Cox, the fourth pick. Once, but, but they had some power hitters up there. Once they got past that, they drafted all pitchers. So it looks like the plan is you're going to develop some position players. And they did a good job with the Latin program. You're going to develop. But beyond that, you just try to collect as many pitchers as possible and see what happens. That was the Mustakas trade. That probably will be some of these trades that are coming up. I don't know that that um, very many of the guys they have right now are going to give you that prime prospect that's ready for the major leagues. I mean, can you make a Marquez trade? I can't see that. You know, no, the Marquez no. trade. Not at this you, point, right? I, I, I just don't, don't see know that what happening. he is. So, yeah. so you so you just have to um, move those guys for two reasons one for one of two reasons like these relievers it's a very good ball bullpen i think that it has to be broken up to some degree um i don't know about trading suitor it seems like he his dollar figure and where he is in his career he probably could be part of the bullpen going forward but really the bullpen that i'm watching if you're looking at at the um at the future of this team begins with lawrence bird um, Hollowell, who's up, who I think has a pretty good arm. They're going to have to get a couple a couple more of their prospects up here and see what they can do this year. So the rest of the season, I'm warning you, can be worse because if you trade Brad Hand and, and yeah. Suter when he gets healthy and um, some of the more veteran-type pieces, then it's going to be – it's going to be, let's see what these young yeah. arms can do. But they've shown with Bird and Lawrence that if you give them an opportunity, and both of those guys walked a lot of people for about a year, but if you give them that opportunity and they are the talents you think they are, then you're going to be better. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. You, you've got to move some guys. You've got to move some of the <clears throat> veteran pieces, and maybe you'll get a starting prospect or maybe you'll luck into um, a prospect at another position. Yep. Those trades aren't going to train change the major league team right now. And that's why I'm saying, if you look at, at, at what they're doing, they didn't expect to win this year. Um, the only way they're going to win next year is if all the pitchers come back. And I do think they're going to find a way to try to keep Marquez around by picking up the option and putting more years on it. So, Basically, they have to luck in the great starting pitching next year, and every prospect like uh, like Yankee Fernandez and maybe Zach Veen comes back healthy has to contribute at the major league level. So, I'll just say this right now: 
um, if they are struggling next year, don't be surprised. Uh, you know, you basically the only way I can accurately look at this team is like, okay, it's it it kind of is painful until about 2025. Well, you know, you just hope that there's some sort of uh, like Pat, Patrick alluded to, some sort of identity emerging by that yeah. point. You know what I mean? Because I think the pitch to have an identity. That's the problem. I, they have I, to start I, I, I think the, the I think the ideal situation for a team that's rebuilding and that's what this team is doing. It's not going to ever say that, but it is, um, is we're going to, we're going to, we're going to redo this thing. We're going to start from the ground up. Uh, we're going to, we're going to see who the the players, the young players are that we're going to be able to build around. And then we're going to start making smarter decisions than we have in the past regarding free agents and, 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 and complementary pieces. It's a long way to that point. It's Patrick, a long way to that point. Patrick, yeah, you, guys- Patrick you've been around long enough to remember Todd yeah. and the toddlers. Sure. Um, could and that team eventually got to the World Series. Um, yeah. Chris and the kids are, are we are we heading that direction? No, no, no. okay, and no, because Chris Ionetta is, is not. I am, did I say Chris Ionetta? I Chris Bryant, yeah, well, um, right. Chris Bryant hitting like Chris Ionetta, yeah, you know? yeah, no, no, but Chris, Chris Bryant, I mean, he's a skilled player, and I'm sure when he gets back healthy, he'll probably have some runs where. He shows why he was an MVP in 16. and But he's not, as Bill Smith said, he's not the aircraft carrier to this right. organization. I have a question for you guys, though. If another team approaches the Rockies and they say, we'll give you you know, a couple really good pitching prospects for Diaz, the catcher, do you do it? Easily. Yes. I said Easily. Yeah. Yes, I'm sir. just curious because I know how much Bud Black values a veteran catcher behind the plate. Oh, he's huge, and he's the only and, catcher that and the idea for the is, for a long time. He is the cog to kind of helping these young pitchers develop. So, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. If if the price, the, the payback was right, you do do it. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to, but he may be their best trade chip. That's a good idea. That's, that's, that's interesting. If, if they swing that kind of trade, then Bill Schmidt would be a genius. Because if you look at the contract that he signed, they picked him up after he had been um, after he had been non-tendered by the Pittsburgh Pirates. They signed him to a three-year, $14.5 million deal. Compare that to other catchers. That is a contract for a backup catcher. That is a super mm-hmm. bargain. So if someone comes to you for Diaz, then you ask for the moon in that case. Yep. And maybe you don't trade him if you don't get the moon, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to um, – he's not a guy you trade just to open room for somebody. With that exactly. contract, then hopefully a Drew Romo or one of those guys is ready. So you, you can wait a bit on that. But if someone wants to overpay for Diaz, oh, that would be beautiful. I can't I imagine that happening. Um, unless some team is really desperate for catching, so and and maybe those things will happen. Maybe a good team will lose all of its catchers and they get desperate. That could be a way to kind of jump the building process. Listen, um, if I can go back on one thing, when you look at the Rockies, all right, look, we, we, we'll let you regress here, okay, for a minute. We'll uh, let but you I regress, regress. Yes. <laughs> for a minute. But but if you look at them ever after the '95, where that was built through free agency. They're not going to build a team through free agency because pitchers don't come here. You can build a lineup through free agency, but you still have that big hole of pitching and you can waste a lot of money that way. Um, you look at the 07 to, to, to 10, that group. In 2005, did you see that coming? Nobody saw that coming. All nope. the pitchers just 
boom, it happened. Yep. You look at the 17 and 18 teams. Did you see that coming? I mean, um, uh, yeah, they had DJ and Nolan and Charlie um, and, and an offense. Nobody saw that coming. Then all these rookie pitchers suddenly popped at once. So my thought on this is even coming through the system, I mean, I don't know that – I mean, Kyle Freeland was pretty good, but he struggled a bit in, in at the upper levels of the minor league system. Same with um, – you know, Senzatella was kind of rushed here, and, and he turned out to be pretty good. I don't think we're going to see it coming. I mean, it would be nice. And for us writers and, and broadcasters, it's beautiful to say, well, this happened and they took step two, step three. That doesn't happen around here. It's going to it, yeah. it's probably going to drop out of the sky like a bomb. Okay. Before we wrap this up, guys, we got about uh, three minutes left. We're going to go around. Tell me who the Rockies all-star is going to be, because I'm assuming we'll get one rep- representative in the, on this team. Patrick, is it is it Diaz? Who's the all-star on this team? Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be Diaz. Uh, first I was, time, that would be the first time they've ever had first an catcher, catcher ever. ever. Yeah, I was waffling a little bit because when Rymac got hot, I was starting to think maybe. Uh, but Diaz has been their best, most consistent player. I think he's the most deserving. I'd go Diaz. Thomas, I, I've got to go Diaz. Although you know, there's a part of me that wonders: um, Does the industry recognize that Ryan McMahon? should win the gold glove at this stage. If you look at it, because Brian Hayes is out. Brian McMahon actually caught up to Hayes statistically, even though he played 200 fewer innings. Um, I'm going to say Diaz, and it would be great to have the first catcher in Rockies history. I do wonder if somebody gets hurt along the line, if the Rockies, as bad as they are right now, end up with two, where they bring Ryan McMahon and they recognize what he's done since he moved back to third base. Manny, anybody else in that mix? Uh, no, I'm going to have to say that uh, nobody's the bullpen. Probably most likely, I thought there might be somebody from the bullpen earlier on, but as time has worn on, I think it's going to be Diaz. But also, um, I think Ryan McMahon is going to get snubbed. One of Thomas's favorite words when it comes to these sorts of things, snubbed on this, and he's going to he's going to end up having his best season of his career, but he's not going to be an all star. All right, who who's going to be who's on this roster right now that could be a future all star, Patrick? Oh, future all star. Well, Tovar for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to go out on the limb. I think Nolan Jones has a legitimate chance to be an all-star type player. Um, he's going to go through some growing pains. I'm sure there's going to be slumps. Uh, but seeing him up close and personal, uh, his attitude, his work ethic, I think Nolan Jones has a chance to be an all-star down the road. Somebody they traded for, Thomas. That's kind of – they don't usually have uh, good luck in the trade market, but they did with him. Yeah, it, and it's the type – Excuse me. It's the type of trade they should be making, where you yep. where where you get somebody who's major league ready. The guy they gave up, um, gosh, and I can't remember the name. It's really doing Brito. well with the. Yeah, what's that? Wasn't it uh, Brito? No. Yeah, Brito. Yeah, Juan Brito yeah. is doing really well in that organization. And some people told me that this guy is going to be a middle infield star. So it will be nice if Nolan Jones develops a- along that vein. Other guy that may be an all-star in the future, especially if they put together good bullpens, Justin Lawrence. I was going to mention Justin Lawrence. Um, he is still learning as a closer. I think that there's a there's still an upside to him. Um, yeah, there's so, got to be some. You got to get some benefit for inventing a new pitch. Right, you can, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, the or, father of the sweeper. No, well, I, I, I think he joined a new dance craze. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am going to agree with Patrick that Tovar is yeah. he, he is the guy in the middle of this franchise for a long time to come. He he seems to fit the Colorado Rockies kind of quiet uh, 
productive type of guy. I I, I would love somewhere, whether it's in the trades or in the draft, or, or some of the guys that are coming through right now that are that that are in the lower lower um, levels of the minors. I'd love for a brash lightning rod to come through here because yeah. I think that that type of personality is missing around here. But I, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I think the future. Tovar, but maybe even Lawrence somewhere down. All right, guys, we got to wrap it up. Um, Manny's going to close this thing out. Speaking of bullpens, uh, thank you for joining us, Thomas Harding, Patrick Saunders. As always, awesome stuff. Manny, you got a closer for us? I do, and I got to say, it never gets old having you guys on, and I look forward to the next time. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there. Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them. And with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the families and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. You got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place. The National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. It's all-star season, so why not take a crack at which current Rockies might be all-stars someday? We briefly talked about this on today's podcast with our esteemed guests, Thomas Harding of MLB.com and Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post, but let's see if we can dig in a little bit deeper here. Ezekiel Tovar is the first name that comes to mind. He had a rough April at the plate and was even still finding his footing somewhat on the defensive side in that first month, but since then, he's been excellent. In fact, since April 30th, Tovar is hitting 295 while posting a 322 on on-base percentage and a 495 slugging percentage. And defensively, he's been spectacular, living up to the minor league hype. He's also very mature for his 21 years, which bodes well for a solid major league career in the future. Tovar is definitely going to receive some Rookie of the Year votes this year, and pretty soon he may even receive some All-Star votes as well. Nolan Jones is someone to dream on if you're a Rockies fan. The man hits baseballs nearly 500 feet and makes outfield throws to get runners at the plate with arm string readings from StatCast that are consistently over 100 miles per hour. He's cooled off some at the plate after a hot start with the Rockies, but he's still slashing 308, 395, 529 with five homers and 119 plate appearances. The jury is still out on Jones, but if he can live up to the potential that's in there and glimpses of which we've seen already, He's definitely going to be an all-star caliber player someday. Beyond that, Elias Diaz is probably the club's all-star this year after a great first half both at and behind the plate. Ryan McMahon is worthy, but I don't think he gets a nod this year. If he's truly founded at the plate, though, he's definitely all-star material moving forward. Since May 25th, when everything seemed to start clicking for him at the plate, he's hitting 336, 421, 623 with eight home runs. The Rockies will definitely need some all-star caliber pitching if they want to compete down the road sometime. But that, as it's been for the franchise's entire 30-year history, is another story.
Manny slams the door and puts the exclamation point on this episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to Thomas Harding of MLB.com and Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post for sharing their valuable insight. And thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.